Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. For a sound. You can choose sensation of the breath or a sensation of anywhere in the body. I'm going to continue with the, uh, the breath, but feel free to choose whatever object of meditation that is convenient for you, that's more suitable for you. So we feel into the breath, in-breath, feeling the sensation where you feel the breath. It can be the around the nostril or above the upper lip or the chest or the belly. So for me, it's around the nostril. So in breath, feel in the left nostril, the sensation in the rim of the left nostril. Out breath, feel in the rim of the right nostril. And then continue just focusing on the breath and the sensation of the breath.
noticing the boundary of the breath. So in breath, it has a beginning, which is the boundary of beginning. Out breath, the boundary of ending. And then a gap before the next in breath, boundary of beginning. Out breath, boundary of the ending. And then the gap. So notice the breath. Each breath is confined within the boundary of birth and death. And there's a gap before birth and a gap after death of each breath. Then noticing now the gap between breath one and two, gap between breath two and three, gap between breath three and four. They all merge together. It's form this infinite holding container, open space. Whereas the breath are just the contents arising within this big infinite container of open space. So our consciousness is bigger than the breath. We focus on the breath and we awaken the consciousness, the one that's watching the breath, which is before the breath, during and after the breath. It's always there. Rest in this consciousness.
So each breath has a beginning and ending, a boundary, boundary for a beginning, boundary for ending. And you can see it, it has a form just like a cloud. And our awareness, the consciousness is just like the sky, the space before the breath, during and after the breath. Awareness is like this infinite container of the sky. And the object of awareness is like the breath, the content arising and passing away in this infinite, infinite container of the sky. We are watching the clouds to realize this witnessing capacity, which is the sky of awareness. Rest in this sky of, of awareness. So the sky of awareness has two aspects. Number one is it's formless. Number two is it's luminosity. It's formless so we cannot see it, but the way we can recognize it is to noticing the boundary of the clouds. And then you know that the sky is always there before and after. You can taste the gaps between each cloud. And that's how you approach the sky of awareness, even though it is formless.
if thoughts arise, you see them as the clouds of thoughts arising within this infinite container of the sky of awareness. If it's too strong, you can go back to the breath. And then whenever it's, your awareness capacity has increased, it's stronger, now you can watch the thoughts directly in the same way as you're watching the, the breaths. Each thought has a boundary, birth and death, and the gap, you can rest in the gap before the thought or after the thought. As long as you notice the boundary of the thought, automatically you realize that you're more than that thought. So the thought is in you instead of you're in the thought. Whatever you can see, whatever you can hear, listen, is within your six senses are the, is the content. The one who sees is the, this awareness, this infinite container of awareness. So we shift from the object seen to the, sub, to the seer, this pure subjectivity from the content to these infinite containers. We shift from the cloud to the sky. We rest in this formless sky of awareness. We shift from the form to the formless. even though we cannot see the formless sky of awareness, but we can realize it. 
because every form has a boundary of birth and death and we know that we're more than this boundary we know that we're more than whatever is arising and passing away we're always there before during and after and make it easier to differentiate between the clouds of object arising versus the sky of awareness. I'm going to invite you to the Big Mind Sound Meditation. Continue to sit and listen to the sound. And the sound help us to realize this hearing capacity, this in infinite sky of awareness. Noticing the difference between the sound of the bell and the space before the sound, during, and after the sound. The sounds arising and passing away within this space of awareness. So thoughts, emotion, Feelings arise just like the sound of the bell, just like the breath.
they arise with yes, within this infinite container of awareness. When we forget the container of awareness, then we identify with the context of awareness. For example, if a happy thought arises, we forget the container, then we say, I'm happy. And then the sad thoughts arise, I'm sad. Then the thoughts, the happy and sad thoughts control us because of our habitual pattern. We cling on to the happy and we push away the sad. But if we realize the space, the holding container, then yes, a happy thought is arising in me instead of I'm happy. A sad thought is arising in me. But I'm including the happy and sad thought, yet more than that, both of them combined. So we're expanding our consciousness to include the content, yet more than the contents. This more than is our resting place, our ultimate refuge. So happy thought arise, and the clinging arise, clinging to the happy thoughts arise. Sad thoughts arise, aversion to sad thoughts. Yet this space of awareness contain everything, yet more than everything. So even in the midst of the sad thoughts, can we feel the space holding the sad thoughts? And we find the equilibrium in that space holding the sad thoughts and rest in that space. That space can either be formless or we can use the loving kindness to whatever's arising, happy, sad, and rest in this infinite container of loving kindness. So we open our consciousness to loving kindness. We send loving kindness to whatever contents arising. Or if no contents arising, just rest in just infinite containers of love and kindness.
it fears the rising. Just open loving kindness to the fear. Just notice the loving kindness, this loving capacity exists before the fear, during and after the fear. Notice our defense mechanisms to cling on to something pleasant, to push away the fear. So noticing something pleasant, for example, we eat more, we eat ice cream, we use chocolate, we drink, we, whatever it is to push away, or we use internet, TV, to push away the unpleasant. So notice the pleasant arise. And notice our clinging to the pleasant to avoid the unpleasant, to push away the unpleasant. But they are arising and passing away within this infinite sky of awareness, this infinite silence. Continue to rest in this infinite silence.
Thank you for allowing me to share the guided meditation seat with you. Um, I would like to go into the sharing with the uh, um, sharing the practice, the, the sit and how to apply it to our daily life. I would like to share first and then I would love for you to chime in and uh, share your practice, share your experience. Um, the topic of today is going to be how to find mindfulness in a crisis. Just like in the outer world, we use the same technique in the inner world. In the outer world, let's say if I have a, if I build something with a million parts like an airplane, then I break it down into its components, solve each component and put them back together again because I can't deal with a million parts at the same time. Or if the component is too hard, then I break it down into its subcomponent or sub-subcomponent and then work on each sub-subcomponent to put back together to subcomponent and work on the subcomponent, put back together into a components and then put back together into an airplane. So I break it down. And I uh, and if I just <clears throat> can deal the component, then it's much easier to put it back together into the whole parts. Similarly, in um, in a crisis, we break it down the crisis into its sub components, into its components. Uh, a crisis is nothing more; it's like a crowd. A crowd is nothing more than a number of people standing next to each other. It's a crowd. Similarly, crisis is like numerous thoughts which are unpleasant in nature, where we feel like we're stuck inside those thoughts. But because there are so many thoughts, we see it's like a crowd and a crowd of thoughts, and that crowd becomes the crisis. So we break down into its components. Uh, so component of a crisis is nothing more than a combination of the um, thoughts, sensation, feelings, and emotion, which are unpleasant in nature. And because we don't see each individual component, we see only a big crowd of thoughts coming together, then we feel like we trapped inside the crisis that it control us instead of, instead of we're, uh, we have the freedom to follow it or not. So, um, <clears throat> so we break down into its components, which is individual thought, emotion, feeling. And then from that individual thought, now that's the third foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the thought. Now we shift, break down even further to its sensation component, which is uh, number foundation of mindfulness, number two, mindfulness of the sensation. And each sensation we feel the boundary of uh, birth and death. For example, fear. We feel fear, tightness in the chest. We feel the, the confinement of the, uh, the tightness. And then we know, just like in our sitting practice, we feel that we're more than just fear because every confinement has a boundary. And just sending loving kindness to it, we feel that we're more than just 
boundary. We exist before the boundary, during and after. So the fear is in me instead of I'm, I'm in the fear. The problem arises when it's, I'm in the fear, then I am fearful. Then it's like I'm stuck inside it. Whereas fear is arising in me, the tightness of the chest is arising in me. Then I'm just in infinite container holding the fear, yet more than the fear. So our practice of awareness is to go into something unpleasant, go deep into the fear, go deep into it, and recognize fear is the object, and awareness is a pure subjectivity. Go deep into the content to realize this infinite container holding the content. It's always there. But because we avoid the fear, then we cling on to the, we avoid the fear content, we cling on to the um, pleasant content, then we forget the sky of awareness. So go into the, uh, uh, the fear content, no matter how difficult, how scary, how unpleasant it is, go deep into it. Only then when we go deep into the object and we realize this pure subjectivity, the one holding the, the object. This is fear. This is happy. This is sad, unpleasant. This is pleasant. Normally we avoid this we cling into this because we're using this as our self-defense mechanisms the more we avoid it the more it runs after us and they always run faster than us the more we cling on to this the more we become uh, uh, like uh, it become our, our master we become his servant so when we bring loving kindness to both of this, we just go into it, no matter how difficult it is. We go into it, we hold it, and we see the boundary. This is just like a cloud. We notice the boundary. And we hold it. The one, the object of fear is confined within birth and death. We can feel it in the body, the birth and death in the body. And then we shift who's the one that holding the Fear. Who's the one that noticing the fear? Because that's before the fear, during and after, outside the boundary. And in that is our freedom. So when we're willing to hold with loving kindness, and we introduce the sky. This is, this is the sky of awareness. These are the clouds. From the, we're willing to go into the clouds, be there, be patient with the clouds. Go see the boundary. Now we realize the sky is before the birth, during and after the death. So we're willing to go into it and we shift from the objective cloud to the subjective sky. Then we realize that the sky is always here for us. The pure 
loving kindness is always here for us. But your infinite silence is always here for us. And that's, that's our refuge in the midst of the crisis. And from the vantage point of this infinite sky of awareness, now we're outside the field, we're outside of our crisis. And from the vantage point of being outside, now we can see it clearly and we can take measure to solve the problem. Because when you're inside the problem, you don't, we don't see how to get out. We don't see how to solve it. But if we're outside, then we can clearly see, see it. Just like you're in a corn maze, you're stuck inside, you don't know how to get out. But if you're higher up from the sky looking down, you know how to get out. So awareness helps us to know that we are more than it, that we are higher up looking down at it. And that is our freedom. Now we have a choice. We can follow what fear telling us or not. We can follow what pleasant sensations follow us or not. It's our choice. And in that choice is our freedom. In the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the fear of the unpleasant and the pleasant, we still have that choice and that freedom to choose. And that's the practice. Um, <clears throat> So the practice normally, nor, so we use a different formula. Normally we, uh, <clears throat> we see freedom is freedom from the self, a uh, freedom of the self. We change the, uh, this is unpleasant. We find something pleasant to fix the unpleasant. So freedom of the self. We change the outer world to make it fit us. Just like, uh, for example, my room is hot right now. I turn on the air conditioner to make it, to keep it uh, cool. So we change the outer circumstance to make it fit us. That's freedom of the self. That's in the outer world. In the inner world, sometime, okay, the uh, air conditioning is broken and I can't find the repairment, then my reactivity comes up. I hate this heat, I hate this, why it happened to me. We can't use freedom of the self. Now it's freedom from the self because it's not the outer uh, environment that causes suffering, it's the inner, my reactivity to the, uh, to the heat, to the unpleasant sensation. It's both the, so it's not just the unpleasant, it's my reactivity, my dislike to the unpleasant. So it's freedom from the self. So we use a different formula when we approach the, uh, the inner world. And they go together. Sometimes we can't. The outer world is there's a limit on what, how much we can manipulate and trying to change it to make it fit us. But up to a certain point, we can't manipulate any longer and our conditioning kicks up and that's the one that causes suffering. So now the, the formula has changed to, from freedom of the self to freedom from the self. So that now I can have this 
and step out of the unpleasant and pleasant. And then, and then once I am outside, now I can step in and change things, whatever is needed. Fix the air conditioner, decide uh, to use the same one, different one, or fix it or whatever. But now I can step in and step out. So I'm not stuck in the pleasant or unpleasant. I can use it instead of they're using me. So that's freedom within the self. So step in and step out. So that's, that's the approach in our practice. And just a summary of that approach is uh, from one of the uh, Zen master, Master Huang, in who's the founder of the uh, city of 10,000 Buddha in Northern Cal. So he said, in the Dharma realms of Buddha, Buddhas are not big or small. They neither come nor go. In words, many aspects of dust reflecting mirror-like on lotus thrones. Living beings, once awake, leap beyond the world of dust. So that's the sky of awareness. The sky of awareness is not big or small, neither come nor go. So no matter the specks of dust of the clouds, the, the sky, which is a reflective mirror light, always step out of the the clouds, which is always bigger than clouds. And that is our freedom. Even though the mist, in the midst of all the clouds of whatever's arising, whether it's be crisis or whether it be pleasant or unpleasant. Thank you for allowing me to share practice with you. I would love to hear your take on it in terms of uh, the Dharma discussion and also how to the sit-in and how to apply them in daily life. Thank you. I would love to open it up for discussion, I think. Uh, feel free to unmute yourself. And talk. I'm, I'm using my smartphone, so it has a smaller screen, so I can't see everyone. So if you cough, then I think you you I, will automatically appear. I can see everyone on the screen. You can either unmute yourself or, or uh, if you want to raise your hand, uh, kind of get in line. <laughs> to be I ready. only can see four screens. Yes. <laughs> so I'll, 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 I'll look out for people. Uh -huh. Okay. Is this, can you hear me better yeah. now? Is oh, yeah. Better? Much better. Yeah. Thank you for the uh, meditation again. That was beautiful. Uh, so when you talk about the word crisis, that kind of, I just was listening to something yesterday um, that I thought wanted to share with you. So the Chinese character for the word crisis, there's two characters. The first word is danger and the second word is opportunity. So I just felt that was just really kind of putting that in context that when we're in crisis, there is that danger part, but then we also have an opportunity to, you know, to kind of transcend that, that we can find freedom. So it just, it just to me, you know, as we're sitting, there's, there's always going to be, there's that two aspects, um, you know, when we are in that unpleasant sensation or thoughts, that that's an opportunity for us to kind of notice that and also kind of think about, as you said, you know, the, the bigger sky that there's opportunity to kind of move beyond that. So that, that's kind of 
what came to me. Anybody else uh, care to share or uh, hold your questions till David gets back? <laughs> yes, that was um, that was remarkable. I, I've been doing uh, meditation now for only about uh, eight months, uh, and I have uh, recently begun to do a daily practice mindfulness. I've taken a couple of courses. But uh, this was really uh, very helpful. The idea, you know, my, I think probably it's true for a lot of us that I've been bound up in uh, my own thoughts and uh, feelings and emotions for much of my life and uh, trying to figure out why I feel the way I do, why I behave the way I do, why I think the way I do. And uh, and I really that uh, because I've been meditating, I've had that sense of another uh, that the sky of awareness. I kind of feel like it's in the top of my brain somewhere, and I can access that sense of uh, uh, that awareness for a brief amounts of time. <laughs> Probably because I haven't practiced that long yet. Um, uh, but I, I found today being uh, more compassionate to myself so that I could be there and then the thoughts would come and the feelings would come and I'd be aware. I'd go back to my breathing and and uh, the sensations and then get a brief uh, experience of that, that other, uh, that kind of sense of a larger awareness. <laughs> and... Uh, Boy, that, that's really powerful. <laughs> so I really appreciate this and uh, thank you for offering it. Now, how about now? Yes, very good. Can you hear me okay? Yes, good. I, I apologize, the internet uh, dropped call. <laughs> yes, I, I heard Judith was saying about this feeling, this internet containers of, of awareness and, and that's for me is that's my place of refuge so no matter i have no control over the clouds i can have some some control but but how can you control over uh something that uh in the whole world uh birth and death health and illness um sickness youth and old age there's things that are beyond our control and that and, but we can always find that the space of awareness that this this uh, infinite sky that include them include whatever's arising yet more than them. And I think that we can find equilibrium in the midst of that. Hi, thanks, David. I what I connected with today was the 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 giving the breath or the in between parts of the breath the beginning, middle, and end of life. I do that when I'm teaching Tai Chi, Qigong, um, with the movements to keep people in awareness as they're going through it. But I've always, I guess I've struggled with the breath and having a lot of distractions going on, and I felt like that would be a helpful thing to add in for me as I'm doing just regular sitting meditation. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I just all in all felt 
pretty good about what you shared today. Again, thanks. Yes, um, <clears throat> the breath is just only an object that we're choosing. Uh, just like lifting uh, 20 pounds weight. And then eventually, whatever distraction become your object, just like the breath, just like lifting 50 pounds weight, and eventually 100 pounds weight. So uh, everything that arises is similar to the breath. It has birth and death. It's within the boundary of birth and death. And we are always more bigger than the boundary. If we, are not, if we don't pay attention, if without mindfulness, then we think we are confined within the breath. We are confined within the breath. But when we've been mindful, we realize that the breath is in us, so we're bigger than the breath. Same thing with your distraction. So when you focus on the breath, when you focus on the breath, distraction arises. Same thing, you apply the same concept to the, the distraction. Uh, distraction is has boundary birth and death and you is in you instead of you are in it so if you can recognize that you exist in the mystery space that holding the distraction then no problem if you forget the space then you're inside the distraction now it will pull you away yeah so no problem with distraction just go from the breath to the distraction sometimes distraction is a thought then it's much harder to, to see the boundary, to go beyond, because a thought is more intangible, it's formless. So you shift from the third foundation, the thought, you know, I'm talking about the four foundation of mindfulness. So you shift from the third foundation, the uh, mindfulness of the thought to its component, which is mindfulness of the sensation. So if a thought is uh, fear, fear of the, let's say COVID-19, fear, uh, then feel into the fear, feel into the sensate, the boundary, uh, maybe a tightness in the chest. And now from the boundary, now you can see, ah, it, it is similar to the, to the breath. The tightness of the chest is in me instead of I'm in it. So that is much easier to deal with than seeing the fears in me because fear is too intangible. It's very hard to find the boundary. So shift from the fear to the sensation of the fear, which is the tightness of the breath. From the sensation, now it's more tangible. Now you can work with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's, it's helpful. I, I appreciate it. Um, I was thinking about, I, yeah, I got a lot out of the, the zooming out and seeing that the whatever whatever the thought or emotion or ever is going on is is within me instead of me again something i share a lot and i try to practice but it's always good to have another reminder thank you um because i need them <laughs> so i'm a better teacher than i am <laughs> oh, a practitioner i think i guess you know when it comes down to yeah, when it comes to me practicing for myself, it doesn't always work out that well. I think that's true for a lot of um, psychologists or people who practice in that way. They're um, doing better at uh, being helping other people than helping themselves. <laughs> but anyway, thanks. Oh, yeah. We all need it. <laughs> yeah. And it just takes practice sometimes. 
my conscious, I know stuff, but my subconscious is so strong. The, the habit is so strong that it, even though I know it, it still pull me away from it. So with the practice, now I synchronize with the breath. Now I keep doing it thousand, 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 hundred thousand times. Now the new subconscious, because I repeat it hundred thousand times, it becomes the new subconscious. Now the new subconscious can override the old subconscious. The subconscious is nothing more than a thought and action repeated over over thousand, hundred thousand times. So uh, with practice, it, then we develop into the new subconscious. Now, now it's like when you know you redirect the water uh, from one stream, the old stream, to a new stream. If you just trying to redirect, it won't go. You have to keep digging until it's deep, either the same depth as the old stream or deeper than the old stream. Now water will move towards the new stream because it tends to move in the easiest path. So we create the easiest path for our conscious mind to follow. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, David. I appreciate your explanations. And um, I think hearing you many, many times and your very simple way of explaining things, eventually I think will, it's been sinking in and um i'm thinking a lot about what michelle talked about about there being opportunity um and as well as danger in a crisis and also recognizing that a lot of my opportunity happens to come because of my privilege in the society and that mindfulness um i think i'm lucky enough to know to have some of these skills that um I can try to do good things for other people in the world because of the privilege that I have. And I know that not everybody has the opportunities that I have. That's all. Mm -hmm. mm, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, and in fact, that's our practice. When I identify with David, then I'm different from the other people. There's these are separate. So when I stress, <clears throat> when I just focusing on myself, on my thoughts, sensations, feelings, I don't. I see myself as different than the other. So even if I have privilege, I don't even see my privilege over the other. But when I see in our practices to have awareness, which is the gap in between the forms, and in that gap is the oneness. We all share the same awareness the same gap and from the vantage point of what my, my oneness now i can see david i'm standing outside of david i can see david and that's what shannon does she practice and so she rests in the awareness that she can see herself see the privilege and then from that seeing we can drop whatever um <clears throat> whatever separate us so so our practice is to shift from the separation into the oneness. And from the, the wisdom of the oneness, we can see things clearly. Now, now it's still separate. David is still separate from other people, but now I'm not stuck with David. I'm just stepping and play the role of David, but I'm not really David. <laughs> and now, now David is only a role, and then, then I don't get stuck. <laughs> 
with it. Yes, it's just like a, a play on the on the stage, but I'm the audience. The oneness is the audience, so I don't get stuck with the road on stage, and and that's the experience that Shannon was sharing. Is that okay? Is is that, is that okay? Are you, I'm sorry. Are you talking to me? <laughs> oh no! I, yeah, it, it, to you is that. Does I explain your? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I feel like I feel like with de with developing my mindfulness, I can be less selfish because I'm not so self-centered. And and yes. how terrible would it be for me to continue to be even more self-centered with my privilege? Like since I'm privileged, let me mm -hmm. try to do for others. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Kind of along that same line, I guess a little bit anyway. Um, uh, yesterday, I attended an event with Frank O. Nobody can say his last name, Ostaseski. And um, mm -hmm. I know him. He was, um, it was really interesting. Um, one thing he did, he asked this woman, okay, look out in the room and what do you see? And she said, I see a table, I see a cat blah blah any and and then he said okay um one thing you didn't say was you saw space you saw the space around the things and he said um he encouraged us to to be aware of this space and to ask ourselves what else is there so i think that's kind of um expanding a little bit on your concept or you know another way of looking at or it's related to david what you said um <clears throat> of um instead of just seeing yourself seeing the space around us mm -hmm. and uh, becoming a part of that space allows us to look back at the fear or as Shannon said, our role. Um, and uh, I just really thought that was a great question to ask yourself during meditation. What else is there? And for me, becoming so much more aware of the pause in between, the space, however you want to phrase it, just gives so much more um, room and um, he gave the example he has had several strokes and so he's, it's difficult for him sometimes with some tasks and he lays in the room a dark room just lays on the bed in a dark room and just uh, allows his feelings to kind of expand into the room and i thought wow that's very liberating to just give yourself so much more space we're just so often caught up in um our container if you will that mm -hmm. you know we just don't allow things to go out and expand and um and he also said that he apologizes to himself um it, I, i'm sorry frank i i haven't been listening to you and i really thought that was sweet you know just listening to yourself um and just listening um 
giving yourself the attention instead of being so caught up in uh, asserting your opinion or rules or whatever to just listen and um, to yourself. Uh, I thought that was quite lovely. Anyway, I just wanted to share the what else is here, not there, what else is here uh, question that he encouraged us to share, which I think really goes with what you're saying, David. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lani. Yes, uh, I attended uh, Frank Arthur Sasky retreat, two retreats, and I've learned a lot from him. And that space is very beautiful. And that question, what else is here, is very, uh, in fact, that's the technique of our practice. Um, <clears throat> in fact, if I can show you, maybe I'll show you last time, but I don't know if everyone uh, could, uh, has this. So we, um, <clears throat> and you all see the fraction is the numerator over the denominator. So this is the formula that I uh, learned from Simeon Young, which is what Buddha taught. So suffering is equal to pain divided by consciousness. Norm, there are two ways to reduce suffering. We can either decrease the pain or increase the consciousness. So, um, so freedom of the self is to reduce the pain. Freedom from the self is to increase our consciousness, to know that we're more than the, the pain. And the more you increase the consciousness, the suffering decreases, even though the pain is still the same. So our practice is to increase the consciousness. But consciousness is formless. It's a space. So the way we rest, uh, we find the space is to, to uh, just like what Lonnie just said. The pain, the pain is tightness of the chest here. What else is there besides the tightness of the chest? So we, we feel into the space before the pain, or we feel other parts of the body. The tightness of the chest is, is just the chest, but I'm more than the tightness. I exist in the hands, in the feet, in the head, in the nose, in the mouth. So I do body scan from feet to head. So uh, the, the tightness of the chest is only 10%, whereas I still exist in the, the other 90%. That's, beyond the pain, beyond the tightness. So if I forget about uh, what else is there, now that I'm in the pain, I'm in the tightness, it becomes 100% of my, of my existence. But in the midst of the tightness of the chest, if I can find the other parts of the body or rest in that formless space, what else is there? Now the tightness is only 10%. And 10% I can work with, but 100% is much difficult to work with. So. Beautiful question, beautiful uh, statement. What else is there? In fact, that's our practice. Thank you. Anybody else would love, love to hear? It's all beautiful, wonderful question, questions and sharing. I've really learned and uh, appreciate them a lot. Uh, I don't see any more hands up. You've got your hand up, hold it up just a little longer. Oh, Judith. Yeah. Is that? Uh, yeah. I see Judith. Is it, 
Is that okay? You did go ahead. Okay. Well, that was uh, that was really lovely. What else is there? Uh, <laughs> that connection to awareness you were the, the a boundless awareness you were talking about is uh, just another way you're right of saying the same thing and i can easily notice what else is there i can notice the space i can see it here in this room uh you know yeah well it's not content uh it's formless <laughs> and and you say that's where your freedom lies. Well, that's a really new idea for me. So, uh, you know, but I had a little bit of that sense today in that meditation. And I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Judith. In fact, uh, if, if the formless is hard for you to get into, then you can use loving kindness. It's pretty much the same, but uh, same uh, same goal, just from different paths. Because loving kindness is much, you can feel in the body easier, whereas the formless is harder to feel in the body. So whatever arise, remember, uh, whatever arise is like the, is like the uh, small mind, it's like your inner child, and you, are, uh, you send unconditional love to the inner child. So just unconditional love become the observer, the big mind, and the object of love become uh, the observed, the small mind. So whatever you're willing to observe, to stand unconditional love, you become the observer. So whatever you send unconditional love to, you become the loving capacity. This is the loving capacity. This is the object of love. So if you rest in this loving capacity 24 hours a day, then whatever arises becomes the object of love, yet you're more than the object of love. You be, you, when you're willing to send unconditional love to it, automatically you step out from the observed to the observer. Automatically you step out. Automatically you become bigger than that. Automatically your consciousness expands And, uh, uh, but this unconditional love help you to move from the small mind to the big mind, to, to know that you're more than whatever observed. You're the one, you're the, you're this loving capacity that is more than the observed. And that more than is your key to freedom. So if the formless is hard for you to rest in, then rest in the loving kindness. It's all the same thing. I can. I saw a hand, Minda. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Please, Minda. And and uh, I have a cell phone, so I can only see four screens. So please feel free to, uh, if you are more than the four screens that <laughs> I can see, feel free to say it out loud, because I can only see four screens. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Minda. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Kind of li uh, symbolic of the limited uh, awareness. You can't see the whole thing. <laughs> I can only see part of the screen. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, it's Mindia. Um, thank you, David, for being with us. And I really appreciate everybody's comments. Um, I always do. I love the interaction. And uh, now that I'm a teacher on Zoom, <laughs> I 
I appreciate it even more because I think it really helps this you know, sense of community. So thanks everybody. So I thought, oh, I'll say something. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love uh, the um, practice of, of bringing the space in and the open spaces. And I've just been trying to become more aware of how often I'm focused on the stuff, <laughs> the forms, whether it's the mental chatter or, you know, even I love nature, you know, and I look at the flowers and the trees, which is nice. But sometimes I, I stop myself and say, let me just look more, more open at the space in between the objects and how does that feel and it, it is it's very um it's a uh, it's relaxing too in a different way um and it, it, interesting in modern dance um they teach you about what's called negative space and to move into the negative spaces those are open spaces where there's more room um to navigate yeah, it's very fascinating. Yeah, so even in dance, um, that particular style, there's a lot of um, flow and energy, and our attention is looking for where are those interesting open spaces that I can move into. Um, so I just, I just thought of that. But uh, yeah, thanks everybody for sharing and and supporting the Zoom stuff. I'm very grateful. So thank you, Minda, and you brought up a beautiful point. Uh, just like in Sufi dancing, uh, they use that as the dancing as a form of meditation. So uh -huh. anything, anything can be used as the form of meditation. The key is to use uh, the form mm -hmm. as a pointer to the formless. So we, mm -hmm. in Vipassana, we use the breath as a pointer to the awareness. In uh, Sufi dancing, they use the dancing, the sensation from feet to uh, on your leg, mm -hmm. as uh, 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 as the one who's watching. So, or you can walk, and one who's watching the walking. You can drive the car or cooking. So, anything. The key is to see the boundary, to recognize that which is beyond boundary, to see the changing, to recognize that which is unchanging, to see the limitation to recognize that that is beyond the limitation so whatever whatever you can uh because our six senses can only see the the form which has within the boundary awareness is be behind our six senses it's beyond our six senses so from the boundary we can step back and see that which is beyond the boundary so any form can be used not just the breath any form, the dancing, the walking, the running, the swimming, uh, the cooking, anything. Mm. As long as you step out, mm. you become something bigger. But when you step in, then you're inside, you get stuck in it. In daily life, we need to step in to take care of things at work. But in the midst of stepping in, can you also realize that you're more than what is arising? You're more than the problem at hand. You're the one that's watching so that you can always step out. Because the problem is not this, let's say, a tightness in the chest. Just like uh, 
the uh, noble, the four noble truths. The first noble truth is uh, life is has an, a lot of unsatisfactory, uh, you know, illness, birth, death, which creates suffering. Second noble truth is in order to have in order to have suffering, you need to have two things. Number one is the present, present of the body and mind. And the second ingredient for in order to have suffering is I'm in the prison. I'm the prisoner. So you gotta have both the prison and I'm inside the prison, which is the prisoner. And that causes suffering. Because once I'm inside this the, the prison, I'm the prisoner, then it's my desire and I want I didn't I think to not follow my desire, so I have a, a clinging and aversion to that desire. So so um, our practice is we we notice the prison of the body and mind. When I say prison, I mean sometimes it confines us. But the practice is to expand our awareness so that we're no longer the prisoner, but we're the prison employee. Let's say we're like a cook who come into the prison to cook, and then we step out of the prison. Yeah. So uh, it's the same prison, no difference. But for a prisoner, it's a source of imprisonment. But for a prison employee, even though it's the same prison, but for him, it's a source of employment, of getting a paycheck, because he can step in and step out. And because he can step in and step out, he can use it as a good instrument. Whereas a prisoner, he couldn't step out, so he been, been, he or she been get stuck in it. So we're not saying, we're not trying to, normally we're trying to, uh, uh, destroy this prison, but it's very hard to because we are born with the prison of the body and mind that no matter how much we want to keep this body going, it's beyond our control. <laughs> Same thing with the mind, but we can step out of it. So we increase our consciousness to find the space. What else is there? We rest in what else is there. And once we rest in that, automatically we shift our role from a prisoner to the prison employee. And in that role of a prison employee, now we are outside the prison. Now we can use the prison as a positive instrument. Um, I see. Else? Yeah, thank you so much. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Richards. Thanks. I did. I, yeah, go ahead. Good. Yeah, Shannon, Shannon and I were both nerding out on the numerator denominator thing. I, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind going through that again because I find it extremely valuable. Um, if you could go through that graphic you showed. Oh um, yes. I'm always trying to, you know, I I teach uh, healing through creative expression and um, mindfulness, and that's you know I'm trying to bring it to a level that I can you know explain and. Yeah, if you don't mind um, going back through that, because I want to make yes. sure I get it. Um, it's, it's, I really like that a lot. Uh, in fact, it comes from uh, Buddha's teaching when he, he used um, <clears throat> the, uh, the example. You have a tablespoon of salt. Yeah. And you put in a cup of water. You make the, water, the cup salty. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. So... Um, the uh, 
So two ways to reduce the saltiness of the uh, cup of water. You can either reduce the salt in the teaspoon or you can expand uh, uh, the, the, the cup of water to make it a pond of water. So now, even though it's the same teaspoon uh, of salt, but now because you dilute it in the, in the whole cup of uh, in the pond of water, the saltiness has been greatly reduced. So uh, there are two ways to reduce the saltiness: either decrease the salt in the tape in the teaspoon, or increase the container the the uh, the, the water. Uh, that hold in the teaspoon. So the tea, the salt of the salt in the teaspoon. Sometimes is we trying to reduce, but sometimes it's beyond our control because is uh, we have to change the outer circumstance, outer form, uh, outer circumstance, and the outer circumstance sometimes is beyond our control. So we can only do so much, change so much. But what within our control? That's the outer form. The uh, what within our control is the inner form is how we can increase our consciousness to become something bigger than this particular uh, tightness of the chest, this particular pain, this particular thing. Because suffering is, uh, is like the saltiness. It's equal to the salty over the water or equal to the pain divided by consciousness. So if we increase the consciousness, then we... Uh, 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 we are big enough that can include the salty, that, that include the salt, yet more than the salt. In fact, uh, one really haiku explained that well, and because Don loves haiku, I want to, uh, he, he uh, in fact, he encouraged me, so make his help helped me to, uh, to, to kind of learn more about haiku. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows Don writes haiku too. <laughs> So one, uh, to answer your question is one of the haiku written by Zen Master Basso. Um, uh, this is the pond. Uh, the old pond, a frog jumps in, clock. That's it. Only one cent. Or the second translation of that uh, old pond is a lonely pond in age of stillness slips apart, unstirred by sound or motion, till suddenly a little, a little frog lips into it, pop. So there are two ways of looking at existence. If you identify yourself as a frog, then you're facing the limitation in life. So you're always a fear. There's always a snake waiting for you, or a coyote, or a bobcat, and, um, or a fear of uh, uh, birth, sickness, or age and death, or things that do not go your way. You like enjoy the, uh, the sun, and then certainly uh, uh, it's thunderstorm. Uh, but if you identify yourself with the internet silence of the pond, which arise before the frog was born, before the birth of the frog, during the 
during the frog's life and after the death of the frog, the inner silence is still there of the is still there. So our practice is we play the role of the frog, but in the midst of that role, can we rest in something bigger than the frog, which is the infinite silence of the pond. And that is our awareness. So no matter what arises in ourselves, the fear, the depression, the anger, the uh, or whatever it is, it always has a beginning and ending. Can we rest in what's more than that, which is always before, uh, before the beginning? So can we play the role of the frog? But what's more than the frog, which is that infinite silence of the palm that's always there before the birth of the frog, during and after the death of the frog. Can we rest in that? And that we can find it in our awareness. That our awareness, we can find that. It's just all we need to do is stepping back. And that stepping back is the denominator, which is the, the consciousness. So, uh, so, uh, so there are two ways to reduce the fraction, either decrease the numerator or increase the denominator. So suffering is pain over consciousness, pain is the numerator. So two ways to reduce the suffering, we can reduce pain, which is uh, make the frog bigger to, uh, uh, to defend itself, uh, find a place where the frog can hide from the bobcat, or identify ourselves, the consciousness, increase the consciousness, identify ourselves as something more than the frog, as the infinite silence of the pond that's always there before the frog, during and after the frog. And, and from the vantage point of this infinite consciousness in the silence, now we can step in and play the role of the frog. But now we're not the doer. The problem is not the frog or the pain, but the problem is my pain. If we explain, expand consciousness out, then it's no longer my pain, but the pain. And why does that is important? Because energy follow wherever we place our self-identity. So if we follow, if, we, if I place my self-identity in the frog, then I feed all the energy, the fear of the uh, frog, uh, it become mine and I feed all the energy into it. But if I rest in the inner silence of the pond, then I don't feed energy. It's just a pain, but it's not mine. It's not I, me, mine. Because it's not mine, I don't, I don't feed energy into it. So it just come and go. And that's the essence of our practice. And this is um, the last part you're, yes. you're sharing. It, so I'm a brain cancer survivor and, and a couple of other different kinds, of, well, cancer actually, but one other different kind. But um, I, one of the things that's really um, strongly integrated in like the wellness community or beat the odds, they talk about the tumor, not my tumor, you know, when you're talking about cancer. It's, it's extremely important in that um, discourse. Um, and um, I've identified with it as just not being a part of me, but being something separate. 
you know, but this is also an interesting angle for me because I can see that, you know, it gives more space to um, zoom out and, you know, it makes more space for whatever that thing is that, you know, the tumor or whatever it is. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, when you brought that up, the thing that came to me was um, that language that is very consistently used in so psychosocial groups in the cancer community. So just appreciate that insight. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for bringing it up. And thank you for bringing your experience uh, into it to help us learn. Because we all have, we all have one issue or just different way, different, uh, uh, but it's the same problem, same way of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. I think we have a minute, maybe we can sit and kind of coming back to just in the silence of the pond so that we can embrace the frog. We can play the role of the frog, but then we know that we're more than that role. And in that more than that role, the, in the silence of the pond is our oneness. The frog is our separation. It's separate from the bobcat. Separate from the cat. Separate from the snake. Even though they play separate role, opposing roles between the frog and the snake, yet the oneness include them both, love them both. And we rest in just oneness. All we need to do is send loving kindness to it. And just loving kindness is the oneness. It includes both the frog and the snake, yet more than both. So even though those two rows, frog and snake are opposing each other, but the oneness include them both with unconditional love. And that's where our real true nature is. Thank you for allowing me to share the practice and thank you very much for your sharing your experience and the practice with me. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.